Hello, I'm Tracy Picard. Welcome to Stories from the Hub, a podcast by the Social Enterprise Greenhouse in Providence, Rhode Island. This is the second episode in our series of interviews with SEG staff and interns, where you can learn about the day-to-day work of running a nonprofit which supports social entrepreneurs. Today, we are trying something a little different. I've called in Todd Ayarusi, performance coach and hub member, to be my co-host. He'll be interviewing me on the process of creating a podcast for entrepreneurs from start to finish. I'm Tracy Ricard. And I'm Todd Ayarusi. We are here to talk about what makes a good podcast. Tracy, as you know, I am an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have something to offer. I want to reach more people. I want to have fun doing it. I've got a face made for audio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I really want to have my own podcast. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I am really interested in what does it take to do that? What do I need? Good question. First thing you need is an idea. Hmm. What does that mean? So it's not just that you have the idea of making a podcast. Right. It's actually narrowing down what that idea is. So is there going to be theme? Is it going to be a format? Is it going to be a season and that's it? Will it continue on indefinitely? Hmm. So you go through the process of asking yourself a bunch of different questions. How is this going to look? Is it just going to be one person Hmm. interviewing one other person? Will it just be one person talking Hmm. Will it be a group of people? Will it always be the same or will it change? Will you come out weekly? All of these kind of logistical questions, I think it's good to ask before you start. Okay. Those sound like format logistics questions. Kind of going through all the different types of things. I mean, it's similar to to starting a new business. Maybe you want to have a worker-owned cooperative. What is the format? It's a pretty basic kind of thing, but... As an ideas person, and you may also be, it's easy to get carried away with the vision of what it's going to be like and how great it's going to be and how you're going to get famous people and it's going to be so fun everyone's going to like you. And that stuff is all like pretty good in order to propel yourself. You need that vision, but visions need to be built on logistics. Hmm. Do you, have you settled on a format for your podcast? Sure. So our, ours is called Stories from the Hub. And the overall format is that we come out once a week. It's myself interviewing one or several of our hub members or entrepreneurs. And then we do a one-on-one or one-on-two interview where I ask the questions, they talk, I make people sound great. That, you laugh, but making people sound great is part of that logistics for me. I would like to have my guests sound great. Some people, that might not be your goal. For example, you're combative or you are, your point is to make people sound terrible and to bring out the worst (laughs) of them for ratings. Like that is a valid format for audio, you know what I mean? Oh my God. I wonder if that's in writing. Oh, yeah, like did they, did they go around a table and kind of throw out ideas like, you're going to get better clicks if you just make people sound terrible. Oh, yeah. So you're like yeah. a good point guard. You want to make your teammates better, and you're around five feet tall. 
<laughs> I, so that's kind of the, the getting to the mission. I want to make the world better. And I do that through conversation and questioning. So that is part of the logistics that my work is built on. So yes, I am the point guard of the podcast world. <laughs> if you could change one thing about the format of your current podcast, what would it be? Let's see. I would occasionally like to, to report in the field, and I'm not doing that right now. So that would be something I would add. I don't think I would get rid of anything. That's what I would add to it, would be possibly going to an event or a, mm. something that's happening and have the ability to, uh, in the moment, do like a little bit of reporting. This yeah. is Tracy Picard reporting from <laughs> signing off. The White House, the State House. <laughs> where, do, where do things happen? Where's the action? The Lincoln Bedroom. Yeah, where were the action is happening? Like, where are decisions getting made? I would like to add a little bit more of that. That's something that interests me and I think could bring more to my format over time. Mm. Yeah. How do you, I'm, I'm thinking about style and voice. How do you, do you have to find that beforehand? Because how do you, it's like the catch 22, right? How do you find that mm. if you've never done it before? That is, a, that is a great question because how do you? And I think that it blocks people from starting, uh. whether it's writing or creating audio or video, blogging, right? You do it and you're not that good. And I, you know, I've written a blog for over 10 years and I've been doing this now for almost a year. And I love to look back on things I started out with and just kind of laugh at myself. You have to laugh. Oh boy, that was terrible. I was nervous or my style was terrible. I actually went through a phase where I didn't capitalize anything, which looking back now, I, uh, like, what was I thinking? What were you thinking? So this idea that it was just going to be like free-flowing and unedited. And thankfully that's evolved. And I think this, this has evolved for me as I get more experience. And the trick is getting over the fear that you will sound imperfect, which you will, to let yourself evolve, whether it's as a interviewer or as a writer and there's a vulnerability in that right mm. especially if your voice is different from other people if you have an accent if you are a female or a person that faces some other types of challenges that isn't the standard voice you have to get over that and what is your liability in the beginning can eventually become an asset as you get to know that and become better mm. so finding it is, is a process which can only happen by doing. You can't find your voice sitting at home or wishing it would get better. Mm. And I think just being open to feedback, which can be very challenging because I myself have re received some feedback where I was like, oh, you know, that was hard. And I guess finding your voice is about learning to seek feedback, hear it in the spirit that it's given, occasionally reject it because not all feedback is correct, but determine what is and is not. 
useful. And then coming up with a way to put the good feedback from yourself and others into practice, right? So how good is it to get feedback if you can't use it and you don't know how to use it? Especially women always say to me, I can't bear to hear my own interview. I hate how I sound. It's kind of about getting over that fear and even sometimes separating yourself from it and letting the content exist without the emotional entanglement with our voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. What was some early feedback that you got? Someone said, you don't have to respond to everything that people say. And so I, I turned that into using body language more. Hmm. But it can be a little bit awkward using a huge amount of body language with people who are themselves a bit nervous. Right. And what I realized was that when there's two people talking and both are nervous, one has to get over it in order to hold the space for other yeah. people. Yeah. Right? And uh, I didn't really understand what hold the space meant because that's something that people often say, show up and hold the space. And it's kind of in, maybe you hear this in coaching circles too, right? Absolutely. What the heck does that mean? And one day I taught a class and we did a meditation and someone came up to me at the end and said, was that supposed to make me cry? And I was like, oh, think quick self, because what do you do when someone comes up and they're emotionally torn apart? And I said, can I give you a hug? And I did. And I was like, oh, I think I just held the space. <laughs> I think that's what it means, you know, just providing that solidity to a situation that could easily go off the rails. And so now I think that that has helped me to find that ability to take, to take the advice and to put it into practice. Sure. Yeah. And let us tag the, uh, podcast topic, what is holding the space mean? I think we need yeah. to dig into that. That would be a great conversation to have. Yeah, I agree. And also maybe one of the most annoying of all time, depending on who the guest is. <laughs> <laughs> so that just brings up, you know, ambiguous topics and how to tackle them. Mm. And that's kind of touches on a lot of, a lot of different areas, but how to make, you know, for both format and style, making ambiguous things, solid, you know, fits into both of those hmm. areas. Yeah, because what just popped up for me is maybe the even more fun, destroying the space, <laughs> <laughs> which a lot of people do unintentionally. <laughs> and do, does yeah. space need to be pushed at a little bit in order to make change? If space is held too well, then can people break through emotionally, right? You, it's about determining what the space needs, whether it needs to be solid or permeable. Right. It has a little bit of a ring to it of save the planet. It's like the planet's fine. <laughs> it's the humans we uh -huh. need to save. Space is fine. Right. It's what are the humans doing in it? Exactly. Yeah. So I'd like to get right to, I'm not a, I don't love technology. Mm -hmm. I love trees. <laughs> I love people. What is the least that I need equipment wise to get mm. my own podcast going? Amazingly, right now, this has changed a lot. The num only thing you absolutely need is one cell phone. Really? A, a newer cell phone and, and a way to plug it in, probably. Hmm. I have an app. This is what I record on. It's called Hindenburg. 
and I have it on my computer and I also have it on my cell phone. The cell phone app was $30, so it's a pretty good, pretty good entry level piece of equipment. Yes, you can just record audio on your phone. The question is, how are you going to edit it? And then having both on a laptop and a phone gives you better ability to edit. Right. However, you can edit it just on your phone. How do you record a two-person podcast with good sound quality with one phone? Or are you sacrificing so you, quality? Yes, yeah, so you're not going to have the best sound quality ever without a microphone. Um, I have a splitter that goes into my phone and two clip-on microphones ah. that I would use for that. Mm. I, I don't do over-the-phone at all. When people want very good quality over the phone, they send an audio person to the interviewee and they record them and then they pass that recording on. That's how that happens. So the phone is just used to interact with exactly. the Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's not being recorded. Correct. Right. That's a little bit more high level. Yeah. You, there are apps that you can have on your phone that will record your conversation. Really? Yeah. Can you name one? Uh, no. Because I don't do that. Okay. But yes, you can. But that is generally not a good sound quality. Right. And then there's no possibility whatsoever to be making this eye contact. Right. So what I do when I'm talking to people is I'm reading their body language. I'm giving my body language to them. We're making eye contact. You know, we're, we're together. And I think that does add a lot to the interview. I don't think that it's always necessary, but I think that's helpful. But as far as over the phone, yeah, sometimes that person is in, you know, um, Denmark and you're in Providence. Well, is it really worth flying there just to get the interview? Right. All right. So give me the example of in person, two people, mm -hmm. the least that I need to have a good quality mm -hmm. podcast. Okay. So if you, if you have a laptop, that's ideal because okay. it's much easier to edit on a laptop just because you can see it and you're not pinching tiny bits of sound off with your little fingers. However, I can plug this microphone, which is an MXL condenser microphone, and you can actually plug that into your phone. So this, this is the same plug-in right. on my laptop as you have on a, an Apple cell phone, and you can actually plug this into there. So you've got a laptop that you probably have anyway, Correct. You have the Hindenburg app on there. That's right. You've got a wire. That so came with it. Came with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Microphone. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. So we're talking good mic 200. Mm -hmm. App 30. So the on the cell phone it was 30. On the computer I got it on World Radio Day for $1.80. <laughs> that was a special one day only. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it would be more... You can also use GarageBand, which is on your Mac, if you have a Mac already, mm. or Audacity, and there's a couple of other free apps. However, I personally think it's worth it to get something that's specifically for speech and interview, because the features are better. So GarageBand is mainly focused towards music. It has a lot of things I don't need. Mm don't have exactly what I do need. 
I found the editing has gone much more quickly, easily, and smoothly with this Hindenburg, which is made for words. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, away from World Radio Day, how much is Hindenburg for the computer? I would have to look that up. Okay. I was so excited. It's $100. But oh, is it? Oh, right. But I'd have to look it up to be sure. Okay. Yeah. So we're then looking at, assuming someone has a laptop, $200 mic around a $200 app, mm -hmm. and that's your only out-of-pocket to record right. the podcast. Right. Then you have to learn how to use the editing software. Which truly was a, a very short, steep learning curve. <laughs> I strongly suggest making a couple of recordings that aren't super special to you and practicing on that. So I did not do that, and I first started editing on something that was a great interview. I was so scared to lose it, mm. and so scared to mess up, that I was very, um, I was just nervous, and I, I didn't go for it with the editing. But I learned now that you can make a backup, put it on a thumb drive, you know what, put in there another 10 bucks for a thumb drive, okay. <laughs> because you should be backing your things up. Got it. That's just a really great way to make sure that you're not accidentally deleting things. It's very easy to accidentally delete, actually. Have a backup, and then you can't do that. Okay. So I think that's important, and I think that just fooling around with a couple of tracks where you just make kind of practice interviews on purpose is a great idea, because then you say, oh, I want to change this, I want to change that, without that fear. Yeah. So you do a beautiful job of editing. Mm -hmm. I hear music a lot on podcasts. How do you put music on? How easy is that? Mm. It is very easy to do, but there's a, a major pitfall there, which is that you can't take someone else's music and use it for free. You can't just, you have to think about the ethical issues and legal issues. So there are places to get free music huh. where you can find things that are either in the public domain but if you're kind of looking for something a little bit modern or young or hip, you know, it's not, that's not in the public domain usually. There's also a lot of people who, due to their political leanings, offer music for free with something saying attribution license. That means you have to give them credit. Non-commercial license. That means you can't use it to sell something, but you can use it for a non-commercial purpose. Don't really want to get into the definition of we define that differently depending on the situation. But that also requires going through what is a massive database of music, finding something that fits what you want, something without words. And the main danger there is clicking on something that is Norwegian screechy doom music and or very confrontational, like screaming lyrics. So I would suggest, number one, wearing headphones if you're in a co-working space and number two turning it down so that if it is doom metal you don't get you know shocked out of your skin by <laughs> someone just screaming there are kind of keywords you can punch in but it's not regulated so people can put whatever keyword they want so you could type in chill out music and get something screaming because it's an ironic use of chill out huh. you know then the other option is you can make music yourself, which is really ideal, if possible. You can buy a song and have the same song every time. You know, buy the rights to it. You can 
work with someone else, a friend or family member who will make a song for you. A poor art student at RISD. Right, someone who's just like willing to do something at a reasonable price or for some trade or for, you know, whatever it might be. There's definitely a lot of options. There are a lot of ways you can make your own music. I, right now, I'm doing a different song each time just because I thought that would be interesting to try. But you can just choose one and have it each time. The purpose of music is that it makes it sound a little bit more polished. I like it to signal, like signal things, intro or outro, or a total change of subject. I think when it comes to music, listening to podcasts and listening to radio is the absolute key. Because if you don't really listen to things and you're like, I'm gonna use music, but you have no idea how music is being used in audio, you know, you're just kind of blindly casting about. So maybe listening to what other people do with music and getting ideas from that. Sure. So we've recorded, we've edited, we have music. Is the next step getting it out in the public domain? Yes. The next step, well, the next step should be listening to the whole thing all the way through. When you edit, you're going piece by piece. And at least the first few times, you should be sure to actually listen to the finished product to make sure that it flows. But then once you have done that, you have to host it somewhere. So SoundCloud is a free site. Whoa. That, you know that. Yeah, it's a hosting site that hosts your audio. It's free for the first certain number of hours. And then if you want to go beyond that, you do have to start paying. Mm. And that just depends on how much content you want. And that is where you do things like you have to write the description. And then you, you want to put in your logo so that it looks professional or at least okay. <laughs> that could just be your name, whatever, just something to add consistency. Did you have a question about logos? I have a question. Yeah. Tagging, what does that mean? So you know on social media, like say Facebook or Twitter, we have a hashtag and anyone who's following that hashtag, it will come up. So say it's like uh, Comey's speeches. Everyone who wants to hear the latest on that, types that in, and then everyone who tagged that, you'll see their tweets. Hmm. Or on Facebook, I make a post saying, doing a podcast with... Todd Iwusi Coaching, I tag that. Uh, Your followers will see that. In a SoundCloud, it's, say you tag it with business, coaching, cat lover, providence. Everyone who's following those tags will be able to find it without necessarily having to type in the name of the podcast. It's subject tags. Okay. Yeah. And then when you're, when you're promoting it, you'll use tags appropriately too. When I do a podcast, I like to write the date that I recorded it, not the day I posted it. For example, when I did a interview with Alan Bobchuk, and we, he mentioned something about the upcoming election that was a little bit hopeful and optimistic, and I was sure to put on there the date so that people would understand that happened before we had the final decision on the election. All right, so now we're on SoundCloud. Yes. What next? Now you're on SoundCloud. So if you would like your SoundCloud to feed into iTunes, you will 
have someone help you figure out how to get on iTunes because I can't actually, we did it, but it took a lot of trial and error and a lot of time. So I strongly suggest a little backup from a tech person on that. Okay. Yeah. You, you want that feed to be findable and everyone who uses iTunes as their primary app to listen to podcasts will want you to be on there. Mm. Okay. And it's also a way of people to rate, review, and, mm. you know, which is generally good. How do you, like, say I have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. How do I link it to the podcast? Oh, it's so easy. You either copy and paste the link or just click with a Mac. It just, you know, it says right on it, Facebook, share with Facebook, share with Twitter. Ah. Super easy. Mm. So you just share it. Okay. Yeah. And it's good to... Of course you want to promote it, right? What's the point of doing this if no one listens to you? I like to go nuts sharing. You tag the person who you interviewed, assuming you interviewed someone. They share it with their network. by right? Exponentially sharing things with other people so that it actually gets the word out. And eventually you will have people subscribe to it right. so that with each one it goes into their feed. Right. Assuming that anyone wants to listen to your, <laughs> to your work. <laughs> Is that the, are we done? We have one podcast that we've taken through the full, Yeah, that, are we done that's with that it. particular yeah. piece of work? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can do more things to it, but really that's the process. All right. And then you're promoting it. And then as you're listening to it, occasionally there is something. I've had a situation where someone listens to it and says, oh, I didn't like that I said that. Can you change it? Uh, and you have to decide, will you or won't you? Mm-hmm. Of course you can say no. You can say, well, you said that, and no. Or you can decide that it's worthwhile for you to put in this. It's a decent amount of time and effort right. once it's posted to take it down, re-edit it, and put it back up, especially considering that you then lose all the data for that that particular episode. Right. So then you would um, just go ahead and re-edit the whole thing. Right. And Or maybe the person will say, I hate it, take it down forever. It's your podcast. It's your decision, right? But do you want to make enemies about it? Probably not. What are the biggest pitfalls in podcasting? Mm. I think that the number one pitfall is making something, doing all this work, and having it be unlistenable. Mm. And I have heard a lot of different kinds of problems considering that the people who, who make podcasts maybe didn't listen to their own podcast. So, for example, there'll be one where the person says, um, 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 constantly, every other word. And it's just, even good content, I can't really listen to that. I had a super good podcast where the person somehow didn't understand that they recorded it in a way that went back and forth from left to right ear, and the left ear was loud and the right ear was quiet. (laughs) And if you turn it up, you know, the volume was just very, like, changeable and spiky and not good or for example just a huge amount of background noise uh, very irritating music throughout the whole thing you just have to actually listen to it and if you don't like it other people are not going to like it either what are the keys to great sound quality Hmm. trying to be in a place that's relatively quiet which doesn't always happen for us here. We're in a co-working space. But just paying attention, right? What is the background noise? 
and then trying to just plan for that, mitigate that. And then just edit, you know? Like take the time to listen to what you've got and to eliminate large amounts of long pauses, tapping, nose blowing. Take a minute to actually care about all those things, right? If you're interviewing someone who keeps blowing their nose, you have to go back and take that out. Just think about it. Do you like listening to people blow their nose? Not at all. Right. And if it's someone that you love, are you willing to overlook that? For a while. Right. If it's someone that you don't really know, don't necessarily care about, even if they're talking about something interesting, are you willing to spend an hour of your time with headphones on hearing them blow their nose? No. No. Exactly. Why would someone put out a podcast full of funny noises that you don't like, unless that's the purpose of the podcast? Well, well say, say you are in a quiet room. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of variability in sound quality in just that. Mm -hmm. What brings it to the next level of where it sounds like one of those great, clear... Oh, well, having a studio. So you have a studio, and yeah. what's the difference in it? So you're, it's quiet. Is it Correct. the mics that's different? Like people having a mic right in front of their... Yes, $1,500 mic attached to the wall. Hmm. You know, everything is soundproof. You can't hear fire trucks going by. They have a sign on the door, for example, so that you don't have someone knocking. Hey, what are you guys doing? Right. What do you want for lunch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, just also... In those studios, you have people who practice speaking, right. right? People who've trained in public speaking or who know how to stay on message, who have often been coached in speaking and sought feedback on how to speak well. You know, politicians, their job is talking, right? So you say you're just a person who wants to just randomly interview other people. You're not going to get the sound quality of professionals. So you like sports to see great hockey. You probably wouldn't just go to mm, sixth grade floor hockey in Georgia. You would go to Toronto professional hockey players, right? It's their profession. So speaking and creating radio is your profession. It's not just good equipment. It's also that they're professional speakers. Got it. I think what makes great podcast is interesting people with good ideas and sound quality is important very important but content is what drives someone to not turn it off being in the grip of a amazing story or learning something or emotion and logic and you know what makes words and life great and exciting that's what really drives a good podcast. Mm. So it's really important to pay attention to your sound quality. But I don't care how good you sound, if you're boring or obnoxious as a human, you can have the best microphones in the whole world. But why? Sure. So, you know, having a purpose and a mission and an idea is mm. is what pushes mediocre sound into greatness. That's a good segue into I know you're passionate about issues of inclusivity and equity. How does that play out in the podcast?
podcasting was? Yeah, I think that the way it it plays out in the podcasting world and audio in general is that overall the voices that we hear are those of older middle or upper middle class educated people, usually males, usually white, usually bi-coastal. And Oh, please stop talking about me, Tracy. <laughs> you know what? I love those people, but there's no reason whatsoever that the main voice of America should be one type of person, right? Couldn't agree more. And I think that intentionally, you know, centering different types of people, different styles, different stories, and being sure to make your language reflect that ideal, not making the person fit their language in perfectly to a standardized NPR language. You know, there's nothing wrong with that white educated style, but it shouldn't be the only thing that's heard or allowed. And I think that we have a duty, those of us who have a microphone and have our voice, to just pay attention to who we're talking to, mm. how we're referring to people, how we're using language. And it's like, you know, let's just think about it and care that we don't exclude, we don't actively exclude important, interesting voices who have a lot to offer to the world, you know? I, I'm hearing a couple things. One is the language, inclusive language. Yep. And another is actually having people who aren't as well represented be on the air. Correct. Both. So it's the audience. Who am I doing this for? Right? Asking yourself. Who is my audience? Picture your audience. Is it everyone exactly like me is my audience? Or is it I want to speak to different types of people and I'll use language to accomplish that? And then... Subjects, yeah. Whose voice am I pr promoting? Who am I, you know, bringing on? Who am I working with and collaborating with? Yeah. So you're right. It's two different things. So quick review. There's the minimum of laptop, mic, app, thumb drive, mm -hmm. and then there's how do you make once you have that an interesting person with ideas and a viewpoint, who has equipment slash sound quality, and good content, purpose, mission, idea. That's right. That's the hard tools, and then those that's the magic that's in the air. That's right. Those tools. And mix them together, and there you go. <laughs> mix it all up in a pot, <laughs> put it in the oven, Add some salt. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is great, Tracy. This is really helpful for me, an entrepreneur who actually wants to put this into action. Mm -hmm. So please feel free to follow up with me in three months or less. <laughs> and let's see if I have a podcast on SoundCloud. I think it would be very interesting to hear what you come up with, and I hope that you do. And I think that most importantly, just don't be afraid to fail or to make mistakes or have something terrible because that's part of the process. Final question. Who is your podcast hero? Oh, my favorite podcast is on the media. And I love both of the hosts, Bob Garfield and Brooke Gladstone. 
Brooke is my number one podcast kind of example. She's the example of the person I hold up as a great podcaster because she takes, she's not afraid to say what she thinks, but she's not a jerk about it. And she's funny without being like a comedian. And then she's got such critical thinking skills. They zoom in and zoom back out seemingly effortlessly in a way that not everyone can do. So they'll talk about a subject and go into the details and then kind of back up and look at the big picture. And that's very cool. She does interviewing. She does speaking alone. She speaks with Bob. She does the editing. She's also amazing as an editor in that she says, she actively seeks to cut out everything unnecessary. So sometimes people record something and they get a little precious and they want to keep every single thing they've ever said. But good editing means cutting out the parts that are not great and are boring and are weighing down the story. Being a swift, quick, moving, agile story, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So to me, and, and she also is not afraid to turn the critique on herself, which I think is very important. You've gotten me interested. On the media. Well, you have gone from, I think I'd like to do podcasting, to now podcasting about how someone else can start one. <laughs> I'd call that. Yay! So yes, cause for celebration. Thank Wait, you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me, and may this spawn many more. You got it. Thank you. <laughs>